Praise the Lord. Man, I've got just a few announcements we want to go over real quick. Uh, we are looking for servers for the Christmas at our place. Uh, so if you are interested in being a server uh, at the Christmas at our place, play, uh, please meet in the kids' church room immediately after service, and that's today. Uh, there will be a baby shower. Uh, ladies are invited to a baby shower for Tabitha Dury this Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, details are in breeze for that. That's at 6 p.m. this Thursday. Uh, Tuesday, December 31st of this year uh, is a watch night service. Uh, families, family favorites potluck at 7 p.m. followed by 2019 recap video and special singing. Uh, if you have pictures for the video, uh, please, and it says please airdrop to media computer or email uh, to salemmediateam at gmail.com. That's easy to remember, salemmediateam at gmail.com. If you've got any pictures uh, that would be good for a 2019 recap video, uh, please email them to salemmediateam at gmail.com. I don't even know how to airdrop anything, um, so uh, you can do that, um, yeah. but uh, email is right up my alley. I can do that. Uh, anyone wanting to sing uh, for this Watch Night, ser watch night service, uh, please see Sister Sherry Tipsword um, if you're interested in doing that. Amen. All right, we are going to pass a couple sign-up sheets around for those interested in singing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is for uh, the winter quarter of the uh, Sunday School books, so if you want to purchase one of those, uh, put your name on one of these lists here. We'll start one on each side. Amen. And uh, I guess once it gets to the back, if we just give it to one of the ushers, that would be wonderful. Amen. It's good to be at church this morning. And I'm going to get a cup, just a couple things. I don't know if this will go over good. I think it will. Um, so we're going to try it. I'm a visual learner, so if I can look at something, isn't that, isn't that nice? go okay all right we'll get to that okay well we want to start out um, first of all thank you brother Gene uh, brother Kyle is not here but thank you both for asking me to come and teach this morning um, it's one of those things you're you're nervous to do it uh, but you I'm thankful. I'm thankful to do the will of the Lord. Amen. To share his word. Um, and it just so happens we're talking about thankfulness today. Uh, we're in the month of November already. I can't believe it. Month after month goes by faster and faster. And it really does go faster and faster the older you get. And I had my bookmark in here. Give me just a second. 
All right, if you would turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. My vine is getting in the way already. We might have to put it down. Second Samuel chapter 6. This is the first lesson in this, uh, this series. Uh, it's an attitude of thanksgiving. Uh, today we're going to talk about a posture of thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to start out reading uh, chapter 6 in Second Samuel verse 12 through 15. Uh, this is talking about uh, the Ark of the Covenant. It said, And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him, because of the Ark of God. So David went and brought up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bare the Ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. Amen. So we're going to talk about thankfulness. Um, and if you would join with me in prayer before we get into this, uh, that the Lord would speak to each one of us. Amen. Uh, and he'd have his way. God, thank you for this opportunity that you've given me today to share your word. I pray that you would bless it. Touch my mind and my mouth, Lord, so that I can share it effectively. Touch every heart and every mind, Lord, that's going to receive this word today. Give us strength. Bless us today, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I meant for that to happen. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> all right, so the scriptures we just read. The saga of the stolen Ark of the Covenant depicted one of Israel's darkest days as a nation. The Ark symbolized the heart of the Hebrew religion. It was a relatively small chest covered with gold, and this is the only reason I brought this today. Um, the Ark of the Covenant... loud was it says a relatively small chest it was three and three quarter feet long so it was about that big that long that's how big the ark of the covenant was it was two and a quarter foot tall right there that tall and that deep that's all the bigger the ark of the covenant was uh, in my mind i've always thought that the ark of the covenant was something that was so big that it needed six to eight people to carry it and that's why they had the, the staves put through to carry it um, but no the Ark of the Covenant was just a small box that really doesn't have any bearing on what we're talking about today um, but that's how big the Ark of the Covenant was um, okay it was a relatively small chest covered with gold two beautifully crafted angels that faced each other adorned the lid which was called the mercy seat the place from where God promised to speak to Moses. Its contents consisted of Aaron's rod that budded, a container of manna, and the tablets of stone upon which the law had been written. This most sacred piece of furniture represented the soul of Israel's religious treasures. Now during the time of the judges, uh, Philistia, the perennial enemy of Israel, captured the ark and carried it to their camp. This affected Eli, 
uh, who was Israel's high priest and judge at the time, affected him so deeply that upon hearing the news, he fell backwards, broke his neck, and died. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were also killed in the struggle, but Eli was more devastated by the missing ark than their deaths. The ark was a big deal. Phinehas' wife gave birth to a son at the same time. She named him Ichabod, which means the glory has departed, signaling that the ark's capture distressed her perhaps even more than losing her husband in that battle. Uh, the Philistines soon regretted their spoil, uh, housed in the temple of their god, and this is one of my favorite stories, housed in the temple of their god uh, named Dagon, uh, their idol was twice fallen on its face before the Ark of the Covenant, and the second time it shattered in pieces. In addition, uh, the men of Ashdod, where the Ark was being kept, were smitten with painful tumors, and many died. They had had enough. They sent the Ark to Gath. So the men of Gath were stricken by the disease as well, and they sent the Ark on to Ekron. The fearful Ekronites, they saw kind of a pattern going, uh, but they pro protested and sent the ark back to Israel. After seven months and more trouble, the ark ended up in Kirjath-Jerim, a city in Judah, where it stayed for 20 years. It had always been the intent of Israel, however, to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. Without it, the nation had no anointing or glory. After yet another tragedy, King David finally discovered how to put the ark on its return journey when the parade finally formed, David, the Bible says, danced before the Lord with all his might. And he, along with many of Jerusalem's inhabitants, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Michael, his wife, saw David's shameless celebration and thought it undignified for a king. She despised her husband for his unabashed showing of emotion. But David dismissed her criticism. Because of his love of Jehovah and his appreciation for Israel's history, he realized the national significance of the ark's return. This was an historic moment, and David would not suppress his joy and gratitude for anyone, including his wife. His outward demonstration, and this, is, this said all of that to get to this, his outward demonstration matched his inner elation. It was a posture of thanksgiving. And that's what we're going to talk about today, a posture of thanksgiving. What was going on inside of him was manifested uh, in his worship. Now, uh, when we say the word posture, we usually think of uh, how we are standing, whether we're kneeling or bowing um, such, uh, or prostrating oneself on the ground. However, and this is your first two blanks, our outward posture reflects our inward attitude. Our outward posture reflects our inward attitude. If a person kneels before a dignitary without an attitude of reverence or gratitude, the act becomes a sham or a display of hypocrisy. And that's so true. If, uh, have you ever uh, told one of your kids to go tell uh, his brother or sister that they're sorry when they're not really sorry? You can tell by their posture that they're not really sorry. When they walk up, I'm sorry you know that they're not really sorry because their inner attitude doesn't match their outward act. Um, so our inward posture reflects our, our outward posture reflects our inward attitude. If a person kneels before, I just read that, in some cases, 
If the act is an attempt to deceive, it can be an indictable offense. Thus, when we worship God in thanksgiving, we must hold, hold the genuine feeling in our hearts. The true value of any external show of worship is that it is visible exhibition of a sincere belief. Amen. Otherwise, it's worthless. As the Apostle John said, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. All right, so, so we base our posture of thanksgiving on four acknowledgments, and here they are. I acknowledge, one, that I have nothing of my own. Everything I have, I didn't get it myself. It was given to me by God. Two, I acknowledge that I deserve nothing from God. Now, that's contrary to, to society's thinking right now. Uh, I deserve nothing from God. I acknowledge God's sovereign prerogative to give or withhold. I know that it's completely up to him what he gives me, what he keeps from me, and, and 100% of the time, uh, he's right. Amen? And number four, I acknowledge all my blessings come from God. Because without Jesus, we can do nothing. The Apostle John wrote of this truth and the necessity of our complete reliance upon the Lord when he declared this in John 15. He said, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and man gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So when we talk about abiding in Christ, uh, let's talk about that for a second. Um, it just so happened that a couple weeks ago, um, I cut out, and this is called a trumpet vine. Um, they, uh, they have the big orange flowers. They look like a trumpet bell. Um, they're actually, I couldn't remember the name of it, so I looked it up this morning. Um, actually an invasive plant, uh, and that's why I dug it out. <laughs> I, we have a well out in the front yard, and I planted them by that, and it had almost destroyed the lattice around the well because uh, it grows up in between, just gets bigger, and then pops the, screw, or the screws or nails or whatever you got off. Uh, but for a visual aid, this is a vine, uh, and we've got the branches coming off. So the scripture says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Now we're going to pretend that this vine is still connected to the ground, okay? <laughs> it's still getting nutrients from the ground. Uh, I am the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So to abide with the Lord, it means to walk with the Lord, uh, to cling to him, to stay connected to him. So as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Amen. Just like the branch receives nourishment and strength from the vine, we too receive everything we need to survive from God. Uh, if that connection is broken, even just a little, it can harm and disease to, uh, cause disease to the branch, and it will not produce fruit like it should. Um, so, if we take one of these branches, this is the source of nutrients. So if we, as soon as we separate this branch from the vine, and it, the, the leaves are still green, so it could still be drawing 
uh, its stuff from the vine. I like to garden, but I don't know much about it. Um, <laughs> you plant it and it grows. You water it. <laughs> All right, so as soon as you take this branch off, it's not receiving anything from that vine. It's only a matter of time before this thing is completely shriveled up, uh, completely dry, has no nutrients, nothing inside it. Uh, and it'll, it, the, longer it, uh, the longer it's separated, the easier it's going to break. Have you ever uh, tried to break a green branch? It's hard. But the longer it's separated from that vine, the easier it breaks. Amen. That could preach, right? Amen. All right, so I am the vine, you are the branches. If the branch does not abide in the vine, it will wither and be cast out and burned. I actually got this this morning off of a pile of branches that I had uh, thrown across the street. Not into somebody else's yard. <laughs> not in my neighbor's yard. I have good neighbors, we've got to keep it that way. Across the road and to the, uh, the fence row. Man, with my other grass clippings and leaves and... Okay, moving on. <laughs> if the branch abides in the vine, the Bible says that we can ask what we will and it shall be done. Now, my first thought when I read that was, well, if I'm abiding in the vine, I've asked for some things and I've not got them. And we talk about that a lot and we say, well, God really knows what you need. Uh, but then I was thinking if, if I was a branch attached to this vine, um, this branch didn't ask for anything contrary to the plant, the, 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 the plant itself. Um, if that vine would have asked, or if that branch would have asked the vine, I want to produce watermelons, that branch, as soon as it, if, if that happened, if it started growing a watermelon on the end, as soon as that weight became too much, it's going to damage that branch. Amen. So yes, God's going to supply. God said, I'll give you whatever you ask, but it's important that we ask according to the will of the vine, right? To the will of God. Amen. Um, it trusts that the vine will supply it with, with, with exactly what it needs to fulfill its purpose. I am making a mess up here. We'll get that cleaned up. <laughs> Everything works great as long as the branch is connected to the vine. But as soon as something gets between the branch and its supply of nutrients from the vine, it begins to suffer as soon as that happens. That's why uh, if you look into pruning uh, any kind of bush, but rose bushes, they even say when you prune those, you need to prune them at a certain angle when you chop those branches off. Otherwise, you could, it could get disease, it could get sick, and, and it affect the plant. But uh, we want to stay connected to the vine. And that's what he's talking about. If you abide in me, if you stay connected, then I'll abide in you. If that branch stays uh, connected to the vine, that vine is going to abide in it. It's going to supply it with everything that it needs to make it. Amen. Let's see. We have no rights, and this is your next two blanks. We have no rights or privileges other than those that the Lord has entrusted to us. We came into this world with nothing. Job declared this truth as he tried to come to grips with the devastation that had flooded his family. He said in Job chapter 1, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. One of the most disconcerting facts about modern living is seen in the calculation of life insurance needs for a baby. Most parents believe that their child has inestimable value. 
Insurance companies, however, they strip all emotion from this equation. They look only at the numbers or the actuarial tables. A baby cannot be gainfully employed, has no innate financial worth, and is considered more of a liability rather than an asset. Uh, <laughs> the loss of a baby, therefore, has little or no financial uh, incidence, even though it would cause immeasurable heartache and sadness to the parents. But spiritually, uh, we must not think of ourselves as enriching or adding essential value to God. In the strictest sense of the word, he does not need us to enhance his deity. Amen. We only have life and breath because of his divine decree. Amen. How easy is it to think that we, we cause ourselves to breathe? Uh, I, we can get to a place where we think, well, I mean, I breathe good because I go exercise. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in good health because I do this or I do that. Um, but it is God that gives us the ability to breathe. Amen. Down to its core, it, it is God that gives us the ability to wake up in the morning. Amen. He's good. And I'm thankful. Amen. No person has any gifts, abilities, or talents of his or her own making. Amen. That, that's comforting because we know that anything we're doing, anything that we are good at, God has blessed us with that. Amen. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Also, James wrote, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If humans had value or abilities apart from the gifts of God, we would have, we would have leverage over him. Such a view would mean that we were entitled to respect and deference from God. And as a result, we would have no reason to be thankful. Amen. Everything comes from the Lord. Every blessing. Amen. Scripture, however, emphatically demands that gratitude demands gratitude from humankind. The Old Testament cited Thanksgiving as a fundamental reason for the sacrifices to God. The patriarchs and prophets made Thanksgiving a central theme of their worship. The Apostle Paul continued this refrain when he wrote, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. So that brings us to our next thought, our next question. How should praying with Thanksgiving affect our attitude in prayer? Or does it? Absolutely it does, right? Let me find my answer. If we remind ourselves that we can do nothing without Jesus, it takes just a moment to look around and see the blessings that he has placed in our lives. Whenever we realize that we didn't get our job on our own, we didn't, we didn't get our house on our own, we, didn't, uh, we don't have a great family uh, on our own merit, that it is a blessing from God. Everything comes from God. Our jobs are no longer just something we do to get by, but they are a blessing from God himself. Our families look different to us when we look through the lens of thankfulness. When we remind ourselves that we are powerless to save our souls, our, our attitude changes. We're more thankful for Calvary and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. When we pray with thanksgiving, our attitude is affected. The first thing that a priest would do when going to the tabernacle, he would enter into the gate with thanksgiving. 
Amen. That's important in preparing our minds, preparing ourselves uh, to meet with God. Giving thanks to God for his blessings is important. Amen. All right, our next point, we deserve nothing from God. Amen. The essence of grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited. We breathe God's air, and this sounds like something that uh, my parents may have said to me, or I'll probably say to my kids. But we breathe God's air, we eat from God's supply, we benefit from God's provisions, and we enjoy God's blessings. None of this is earned, deserved, or owed to us. Amen? Just like we care for our children, we're going to put a roof over their head and let them know it every now and then. We're going to put clothes on their back. God does the same thing for us, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, not because it was owed to us, because he loves us. He's a good God. Amen. I'm thankful for that. This truth makes pride a chief sin in the eyes of God. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Proverbs 8.13 Indeed, if we were to receive our just deserts from God, we would be utterly condemned. Amen. King David said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. If the Lord wanted to judge me and, and call me up to pay for everything that I've ever done wrong right now, I'd be done. Every one of us would be done. Amen. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. It is God's sovereign prerogative to give or withhold. Amen. It's God's sovereign prerogative to give or withhold. That's your next two blanks. We came into this world flawed and sinful. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. The Apostle Paul, in addressing our human sinfulness and frailty, wrote to the Romans, he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we said hello to the world, on that day, we were already in deficit to the Lord. I mean, as soon as we were born, we, we were already in debt to God for what he's done. That makes an attitude of entitlement illogical in every way. But beyond that, our, God, our Creator God alone holds the power to dispense favors or demand favors. Amen. It is God's prerogative to give or withhold. So can an attitude of entitlement coexist with a heart of thanksgiving? The entitlement uh, just means it's an attitude that says it is my right to fill in the blank. There's a lot of entitlement. Um, you know, if we, if we step out of the church... Uh, there's a lot of attitude of entitlement uh, in this society that we live in now that it is my right to have this, it's my right to have this, and I don't have to do anything for it. Uh, but that attitude cannot coexist with an attitude of, with a heart of thanksgiving. Amen. Um, the traffic laws in France, and we're going to talk about uh, some traffic stuff, that's appropriate, right? I work at the DMV, uh, so I learned a little bit. Um, the traffic laws in France serve as an apt illustration for the divine prerogative. Uh, as a motorist approaches a roundabout around the Arc de Triomphe, or Arc de Triomphe is how I think they say it, uh, for example, any vehicle merging in from the right has the right-of-way. A large truck, however, always has the right-of-way. 
regardless of the direction of approach. <laughs> if you've seen any vehicles over there, any truck here would be a large truck over there. The reason is easily understood because of the sheer size of the vehicle. French authorities reasoned that it would be foolish and perhaps disastrous for a small car to challenge a huge truck. Makes sense. If a truck yields to a car, it's because the truck driver wants to avoid an accident, not because of the laws of traffic or physics. Even so, God can do as he pleases based on his omnipotence and omniscience alone. God can do what he wants because he's God, and yet he is a God of mercy. Anytime God deals mercifully with us, we owe him thanksgiving. Just like if that uh, big truck yielded to you because you weren't paying attention, you owe him thanksgiving. We owe God thanksgiving because we don't, we don't deserve anything from God, but he's continually pouring out blessing after blessing after blessing on us. Amen. While power and force stand behind God's sovereign prerogative, something even greater sustains it his righteousness. God's moral virtue cannot be compromised. He dwells in complete and unblemished holiness. It is an unchangeable part of his nature, and I am thankful for that. Amen. Things change. Things are always changing, but God never changes. His nature never changes. He is a good God. Amen. The prophet Isaiah penned this emotional description. This is how he described him. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. This is the eternal song of the heavenlies. Amen. Also, the Apostle Paul wrote, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. The understanding that he is holy, and that we as the temple of God are to be holy, demands a posture of thanksgiving. Amen. Because it's God that makes us holy. Thank you, Lord. Our provision is due to God's unforced generosity. Everything we have, everything that we benefit from is because of his generosity. Amen. We, no longer, we, we have no leverage over him. Whatever he gives us is only because he wants to give it to us. Amen. Again, I'm reminded of the parent and, and child relationship. The things that we give our kids because we want them to have. That's the same way God does, uh, does for us. Amen. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Amen. God is a good God. Amen. Uh, how has God shown his generosity? Just think about this question. How has God shown his generosity to you in your life? It doesn't take long. When I pray... Um, I use a prayer guide praying through the tabernacle. Um, it begins, the first thing it, it starts with, says we want to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Um, it doesn't take long to begin wondering why God is, has been so generous to me. Um, I, 
when you, you slow down, you start thinking about things, um, try, try to do it in order of importance, our salvation. Thank you, God, for the gospel. Thank you for what you did on Calvary. Amen. Uh, thank, thank you, Lord, for my, my family, my wife, my kids, uh, the church family. Thank you, Lord, for our pastor, pastor's family, our assistant pastor. The list goes on and on and on. Thank you for our job. Amen. Amen. I didn't get that job on my own. Uh, God gave me that job. Uh, God gave Miranda her job. God has blessed us. God has given us everything that we have, our home, our vehicles. I, I pray I thank God for my lawnmower. Amen. Those aren't cheap. I thank God for my lawnmower. Amen. I thank God uh, for, for every little thing. If I, I can spend an hour just praying about the things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a house that, that is warm in the winter and cold in the summer. Amen. As cold as I can get it. I'm thankful for that. That I can walk outside from being soaking wet and then walk inside and freeze. And it, if you really want to experience that, you can go to my dad's house. Amen. You can walk outside in the summer, and if you wear glasses, they'll fog up. That, no joke. No joke. When I used to hunt, I would, I would take my rifle with the scope on it, and I'd walk outside. I'd have to be outside for 10 to 15 minutes before the scope would unfog so I could see through it. So I just set that outside while I'm getting ready, and then I was good to go. Amen. But I'm thankful for air conditioning, apparently. Amen. Amen. But God has been so generous to me. Amen. God set aside justice. Amen. And gave us mercy. Where would I be without the mercy of God? Where would I be? Amen. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Amen. He has no obligation to bless us. God alone determines our welfare, our destiny, and his judgments are unassailable. I had to look up unassailable. Amen. <laughs> unassailable means it's unable to be attacked, unable to be questioned, unable to be defeated. Amen. God's judgments are unquestionable, undefeatable. Amen. He's a good God. He's a powerful God. I'm thankful. Amen. All my blessings come from God. All provisions come from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Amen. This declaration is twofold. First, we do not naturally possess material or intangible blessings. And second, we do not have the power to produce or manufacture blessings on our own. Regardless of how we assess our position, we totally lack any ability to live independently from God. Moreover, God can never be repaid. Amen. Though we cannot fully repay the Lord 
for what he has done for us, what should our response be? Thankfulness. Amen. No matter how hard we try to pay for God's love and favor, no amount we pay would ever be enough. Amen. Jesus addressed Simon after the sinner, uh, the woman broke open her alabaster box and poured it over Jesus' feet. Simon questioned her actions within himself, but Jesus knew his thoughts. In response, Jesus told him the story of a creditor who had two debtors. This guy owed two different people. Oh, the creditor had two debtors, sorry. Uh, These two debtors owed so much, there would be no way that they would ever be able to pay back the creditor. Jesus said, and when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them. Amen. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon was stunned because he realized he also owed a debt he could not pay. We can do nothing less than show our gratitude. Amen. Every one of us has a debt that we cannot pay. Amen. God just wants us to be thankful. Amen. We want to be thankful. Now jumping back um, to the vine, I skipped over something and I, I feel like it's important. Um, and I don't know, maybe I should save it for some other time. Um, but uh, it says, As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. This it strongly expresses the necessity of abiding in Christ by a fresh, repeated act of faith, and it is easy to observe when believers depart from him, maybe only partially and maybe only for a short time, in what a poor, withered, and fruitless condition they are, uh, both spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, But it doesn't take long being separated from the vine before it's noticeable. Amen. I feel like this is just something the Lord gave me to to share with you today. Um, this, This whole section has been cut off for two weeks and is obviously not what it used to be uh, I think it's pretty well beyond help now um, it's been laying like I said across the street <laughs> for two weeks <laughs> nobody said anything so it's fine <laughs> uh, but it's important that we abide in Christ amen that we we stay connected that we continue receiving uh, the nutrients, the in this case, the, the nitrogen, uh, whatever it gets from the rain, um, everything that it needs to survive. This thing was, was growing like crazy. Um, I had to rip it out of where it was at, cut it into several pieces, um, but the branches were coming off. They were growing up underneath and between shingles on this little roof roof thing and it was just totally destroying this thing because it was connected to the vine um, and it was receiving its nourishment receiving everything that it needed amen amen i'm thankful that that god supplies everything that we need we can't do anything without him we we don't receive anything but by him amen amen we're going to close out with uh one story here um says 
when Miss Klein told her first graders to draw a picture of something for which they were thankful, she thought how these little children, she thought how little these children who lived in a deteriorating neighborhood actually had to be thankful for. She knew that most of the class would draw pictures of turkeys or of bountiful laden uh, Thanksgiving tables because uh, that's what they believed was expected of them. What took Miss Klein aback was Douglas's picture. Douglas was so forlorn and likely to be found close in her shadow as they went outside for recess. Douglas's drawing was simply this, a hand. Obviously, but whose hand? The class was captivated by his image. Uh, one said, I think it must be the hand of God that brings us food. A farmer, said another, because they grow, they grow the turkeys. It looks like a policeman, they, and they protect us. I think, said Lavinia, who was also so serious, always so serious, that it is supposed to be all the hands that help us, but Douglas could only draw one of them. Miss Klein had almost forgotten Douglas in her pleasure at finding that the class was so responsive. When she had the others at work on another project, she bent over his desk and asked whose hand it was. Douglas mumbled, it's yours, teacher. Then, yeah, aw. Then Miss Klein recalled that she had taken Douglas by the hand from time to time. She often did that with the children, but she had no idea it had meant so much to Douglas. Perhaps she reflected this was her Thanksgiving and everybody's Thanksgiving, not the material things given to us, but the small ways that we give something to others. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful for his people. Amen. Amen. If you would stand with me, we want to close in prayer. November 3rd, the month of Thanksgiving, uh, is when we, we really focus on Thanksgiving, being thankful. Um, and I am thankful year-round for what the Lord has done, for what God is doing. Um, amen. Let's pray that the Lord will, will uh, bless this message, touch our hearts tonight. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you have spoke, what you shared today, what you've laid on my heart. Pray, Lord, that you would touch every heart, every mind, God, that you would give us strength. Lord, help us to be thankful, Lord. God, we receive nothing of our own merit. We thank you, Lord, for being, being true, Lord. We thank you for being a loving God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we want to be thankful. Lord, don't let us be prideful. Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for... For listening, God bless you, and see you in about 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes.